Hey there, Vernacular Faithful, Redcoat here. And Zantir joins him. And we've got another season of podcasts for you. For those of you who are returning from the last season, we're going to be trying a few new things. One in particular is that we now have an actual factual script for each of our podcasts. So things are going to sound a little bit different from before. With any luck, this will translate into shorter, more compact, and efficient delvings into our different subject matters. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, there were a lot of things we talked about in Season 1 that influence how we talk about games in general. We want to make sure that you know what we're talking about, so in this podcast we'll be going over those briefly. Also, if you want an actual summary of Season 1, you can check out the last podcast of that season, which is a summary. Among the many things that we talked about last season, some of the most important ones are related to how we view and talk about games as a whole. I'm talking about games as a composite experience. When we say composite experience, we are referring to a creative work that is comprised of multiple artistic elements, i.e. comic books, which are literary arts combined with visual arts, or movies that combine audio arts with visual ones. Right, and games are the same sort of way. They have things like audio, visuals, and narrative, as well as game mechanics. One of the things that bothered me for quite a while is that games were talked about in a way that felt like it was minimizing non-mechanical elements. And if you don't quite understand what that means, hopefully we'll succeed in clarifying that shortly. Anyway, Redcoat and I talked about this a lot, and came to a shared understanding for these non-mechanical elements. After spending far too long scrounging through a thesaurus, we gave up trying to find a word to describe these and coined our own. Narvazod. This new term, Narvazod, is a composite word, utilizing the first three letters of each of the creative mediums that it represents as a whole. Nar is for narrative, referring to the elements of storytelling and all the methods of conveyance used in service of that narrative. Viz is for visual, referring to the graphical elements of the work and all of the techniques involved in producing said graphics. Finally, Odd is for audio, referring to the elements of sound production and music that are employed in the creative work. Narvazod is definitely a word that's entered my regular vocabulary when talking about games. Once you name a thing, it becomes so much easier to talk about. Of course, there's also the part of the composite experience that already had a name, mechanics. Game mechanics refers to how the game functions. Things like third-person perspective versus first-person perspective, projectile attacks and melee attacks, and even things like a character's move speed. We identified three layers of mechanics. The foundation. This is the mechanical heart of the game and makes it what it is. The framing. This is what gives the game mechanical form and differentiates games with the same foundation. It is an important part of what the game is. The refinement. These are mechanical flourishes. The game would still be pretty much the same game without them, but they add to the experience in meaningful ways. We dig a lot more into the concept of the game as a composite experience in Podcast 20 of Season 1. So, if you want to know more about this idea, you can check out that podcast. Another aspect of game design that we examined and devised our own set of views about is the concept of game balance, which is a rather complicated and, at times, nebulous concept when it comes to games. Looking back, our podcast on balance, podcast 4 of last season, was our longest, coming in at a whopping 1 hour, 44 minutes, and 3 seconds in length, which makes it pretty lengthy to digest. As an aside, we also thought that podcasts of that length were way too long, so we took steps to shorten them. So, to try to summarize something that we were clearly able to talk about for a long time, to us, balance is a subjective thing. What that means is that balancing a game has to be done with what a balanced state looks like in mind. The thing that makes this tricky is that everyone tends to have a different idea of what that balanced state looks like. When attempting to create a balanced game state, 
The designer will be attempting to create their game in such a way that it facilitates the type of play that they want the players to be doing. Ideally, that way of play is the same one that the players believe to be the most enjoyable way of interacting with the game. Note that this does not mean that either way is the most efficient method of playing the game, or even the easiest way, but rather is the way that the players gravitate towards naturally due to the nature of the implementation of mechanics and overall player proclivities. Because player inclinations can differ greatly on an individual basis, it is nearly impossible to achieve a perfect balance where everyone is happy. As a developer, you must make a conscious decision as to what a balanced state looks like for you and try to understand what it looks like for your players. In other words, trying to figure out how to balance your game in such a way that it makes most people happy with your balance is really hard, especially when people have mutually exclusive ideas of what they want balanced to look like. If you want to hear more on this and you have a lot of time, you can always check out Podcast 4 of last season. Just remember that when we talk about game balance, we're looking at it as a subjective art rather than as an objective science. The last bit of items from the previous season that we'd like you to be aware of are a few additional terms and definitions for various components of a game. This is going to be pretty technical and we're going to be pretty brief, so if you want to take your time with these, I recommend looking up our post about it on our WordPress, vernaculargames.wordpress.com. The specific post is called Vernacular's Vernacular and is from May 7, 2016. Alternatively, we talk about them in more detail in Podcast 12 of Season 1. To start, we have the game object, which is anything that appears in a video game. Anything at all. Next are player objects, which are objects that are attached to or controlled by a player. Player avatars, characters controlled by the player, are prime examples of player objects, but something like a health bar is also a player object. After that is non-player objects. These are objects that are not attached to or controlled by a player. These can be almost anything, ranging from enemies to walls to random items in the game. The important distinction is that these objects are not viewed by the player as an extension of themselves. Then comes objectives, which are things the player is trying to achieve. They can be the obvious, mission objectives defined by the developer, things like achievements, or even player-driven goals, such as with speedrunning. Objectives are related to progress, which is how far the player is from completing a particular objective or objectives. Obstacles are next, which are any object that impedes the player's efforts to complete their objective. A common obstacle is a locked door. One class of obstacle is the tense obstacle, an obstacle that increases player tension. Enemies are the most common form of tense obstacle, but spike pits and other more stationary threats also count as these because of their ability to damage the player and cause a certain level of emotional tension. On the other hand, there are also relaxed obstacles, which are obstacles that don't increase player tension. For example, a broad, enemy and trapless expanse you have to walk through, hopefully a scenic one, is a common example of a relaxed obstacle. It's usually a good idea to not overload too much on these, but you don't want to skimp on them either. Another type of obstacle is the trap. This is a game object that becomes an obstacle in reaction to another object's action. This can be things like hidden spikes that pop out of walls when they detect the player, or platforms that break when the player lands on them. If something, or someone, can choose to do stuff to make decisions, then it has agency. Note that it doesn't have to actually make smart decisions to have agency. It can even make random decisions, as long as it can choose to do something, which requires things to choose between, it has agency. Non-player objects that have this agency are, predictably, agents. You know, like that one guy from the Matrix. An agent is any non-player object that can choose one action out of several at any point during gameplay. 
Note that an action doesn't count as a choice if it was the only action that the object could take in a particular situation. If that agent is also an obstacle, then it is a foe. Many things called enemies are also foes, though not always. Portalos from Dark Souls are foes, but so are missiles that home in on the player. On the other hand, old-school Goombas that simply go in a direction until they hit a wall and turn around debatably aren't foes, as they're simply following an algorithm and don't actually make any decisions. They can't choose to stand still, for example. If an object augments or expands the capabilities of its possessor to, say, defeat a foe, for instance, the object is an asset. Swords, high jump boots, light dash shoes, and pretty much any form of stat-boosting equipment in an RPG can be considered assets to the player. A resource is an object that is depletable, regardless of whether or not it can be increased. Hit points and time on a timer are two common examples of resources. One particularly common form of resource is the currency, a resource that can be repeatedly exchanged for other game objects. While this includes the obvious gold stand-ins that show up in all manner of RPG, this can also contain player-defined currencies that players use for standardized trading when the gold stand-in becomes untenable to use. Another type of resource is the consumable. It's a resource that its possessor can deplete to create an asset. Health potions are a common example of this, as you deplete your stock to create healing. In the realm of objects that do things, we also have the tool, an object that reduces or removes an obstacle's ability to impede the player. This includes things like keys and hover boots, as both grant the player the ability to get past a previous obstacle. Then there are collectibles, a non-asset, non-resource game object that can be increased. These basically don't do anything but accumulate. Points are a common example, provided you don't get anything other than boasting rights for accumulating them. Achievements are also typically collectibles, regardless of how much bling comes with them, as they usually don't give you anything in a game mechanic sense either. And finally, the collectible part, which is a collectible that becomes an asset when a specified amount or set of collectibles that include it have been acquired. Heart pieces from The Legend of Zelda or the letters gathered to form beat in Mega Man 5 are examples of this. That covers the vocabulary we wanted to talk about. We won't necessarily be using them in every podcast, but we wanted you to be aware of them for when we do use them. Before we close out this first podcast of Season 2, we also wanted to let you know about a recurring segment we'll be doing throughout this season. During the first season, we realized that the gaming backgrounds of Cientir and myself, Redcoat, by the way, were very different and that those backgrounds greatly influence our current perspectives. To this end, we'll be doing a set of interviews this season that dig into those backgrounds intermittently. Hopefully, this will give you a better understanding of where we're coming from when we talk about these subjects. And with that, we bring this, the first podcast of Season 2, to a close. We hope you'll join us next time when we explore the interactions between Mechanics and Narvazad. Until then, Cintir, signing off. And this is Redco, signing off. Play the games you want to play, boyos.